Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good Monday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us to kick off a new work week. Opening segment of the show, sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of our show, and of course, Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy the delicious food seven days a week. They cook it fresh in-house every day. It's always good. You can also enjoy takeout, or you can uh, go through the drive-thru, and uh, or you can have it delivered to your house. There's so many ways to enjoy delicious Dickie's Barbecue, and we hope that you'll take advantage of every single one. Conference USA Commissioner Russ Anderson going to be joining us here in just a few minutes to talk about uh, the latest effort to uh, get the football underway in the fall and how and if that's going to happen. Kelly Sander will catch up later with us in the show as well. But we want to start the show with a return appearance uh, for with Southern Miss's newest soccer coach, uh, Carly Malden, joins the Eagle Hour again. And Coach, how does that sound? Coach Malden, we're glad to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. I want you to tell me what this is all about. Soccer United Against Hunger. And uh, this is an effort that the Southern Miss soccer team is involved in. Uh, what's up with that, Coach? Yeah, so our soccer team is taking part um, in the Soccer United Against Hunger, and it's a lot of Division One men and women's soccer programs that are participating. Um, it's just a nationwide food drive um, that is organized by the United Soccer Coaches. Uh, it's a great way to play a part in your community. And how can people play a part in this, Carly? So the food drive, it began June 1st, and it ends June 30th, and there's three ways to donate. So the first way, you can go to a local food bank and, um, you know, donate the food or money, either way, or either, whichever way you prefer, basically. Um, The second, third way, they have a website. And it's SoccerUnitedAgainstHunger.com. And you'll go there, and it shows, like, a virtual food store. And you can donate through that. Or the third way um, is donating to Feeding America Online. Um, and that is just where you donate money. Right. Now, what is what is the time span for all of this? When can people donate? How long can they donate? That sort of thing. They can donate until June 30th. Okay. And uh, and you've just given them the way. So what got you guys involved in this? Uh, just the soccer or the United Soccer Coaches organization reached out. Um, and it's really our – we have our seniors kind of taking charge on this and letting this be a player-led um, food drive. I got you. 
All right. Now, when we first talked to you a few weeks ago, you had just come on board as the assistant soccer coach of the Southern Miss program. And here we are a month or six weeks later. How, are, are you settling into this new role? I mean, how, how are you adjusting to your new life? I'm settling. Uh, I'm, you know, since the coronavirus, we're still not able to be in the office. Um, so things are still not normal. But as far as working from home and doing what we have to do online and through our Zoom meetings, everything's kind of settling down now. Right, and I heard Luke talking to you before we went on there. Now your family is all wearing Southern Miss gear as well, correct? <laughs> yes, they all have Southern Miss soccer T-shirts made, so they're they're kind of getting on board with it. There we go, Luke. Another conversion. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it happens. But this one is a pretty tough sale. But Carly, uh, I told you before we went on air. I saw your dad the other day at breakfast, and I and I asked him. And and you got to understand, Bob. Carly and I grew up. Uh, I'm older than her, obviously, but we our our houses are literally probably I don't know what is it three four hundred yards through the woods there, Carly, maybe a little little further yeah. than that. And Very close. and when you turn on her her road, I mean, like the whole pasture land just turns maroon. Uh, there's two <laughs> things that the Malden family cheer for: they cheer for Mississippi State and they cheer for West Jones. Bob, this family had a school bus. <laughs> that they painted West Jones green, and Carly, you you grew up driving to West Jones football games in that thing. Yes, a lot of memories were made. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I'm saying is the fact that Lance Malden had on had, is wearing Southern Miss gear. Uh, who I mean, it's 2020. It's par for the course, but at the same time, <laughs> it is uh, it's a very very unique thing. Carly, you, you talked about how these seniors are, uh, you know, are you letting them lead out in, in the in the in the food drive? This is a pretty senior laden team. This uh, 2020 Golden Eagle team. Yes, we do. We have a lot of seniors this year. It's something that's been unique um, the, the last few years because we had, I think, two two years ago, had three or so last year. How does that play into the strength of a team when uh, really the foundation of your team, not only numerically but leadership-wise, is seniors? Uh, it plays a huge part. I mean, all those girls have, you know, three years of experience now. Um, so I think it brings a whole new confidence, and I think it'll help, you know, our um, – like incoming freshmen and sophomores really step up and see how, you know, how you should act, how you should be. When when you were at Mississippi State, and, and we just have to remind our listeners, and, and I'd say this, I'm proud of you, grew up your neighbor, proud of you, but, you know, at Mississippi State, you, you started from day one and you never looked back. How important is it for these freshmen coming in and and or, or transfers or whoever, in order to have that type of leadership at the top? How did that affect you and helped you at Mississippi State, knowing that you were starting from day one? Um, well, just coming in, I looked up to there was there was one specific senior that every time she stepped on the field, she had her all, and. Um, you know, coming as a, in as a freshman, she kind of took me in under her wings, and that was kind of my mindset. So I think when you have a whole bunch of seniors that, you know, are dedicated and want to have a winning season, um, they'll connect. They'll show those freshmen or show the freshmen coming in, like, 
what to do and how to do it and how to be your best every time you step into a practice or a game. Your your boss, Coach Mo. I was um, I was out of town a couple weeks ago with a bunch of college students. One of them is about to play uh, soccer at Jones College. And we were talking Southern Miss, and your name got brought up. And, and just we started talking about Coach Mo and how well-connected he is. I think sometimes Southern Miss uh, fans out there who even follow the soccer program are really unaware about how connected Coach Mo is across the country, especially with United States national soccer. Mm-hmm. Coach Mo has so many connections. Um, you know, coming out of high school, me and him saw we were, I like, in the recruiting process, I obviously chose Mississippi State, but it speaks a lot because he stayed connected with me throughout my whole college career and when I went to Finland. Um, so he is personal. He makes friendships. Like, he is well-respected in the soccer world. No question. And, Carly, you've just proven that, you know, mistakes can be overcome. I mean, uh, that clearly was a mistake when you went up there, and uh, now you've overcome it. And so uh, it's, a, it's a life lesson for it's a life lesson for all of us. Uh, so, Carly. Hey, you were never all SEC, Bob Getty. I just want to remind you of that. You were never all SEC. So, Carly, we've got a minute left. What, what are the plans right now with soccer? When do you think you'll be able to get your team together, and, and what do you guys – hoping to do moving forward now yeah so our girls are planning on coming back we can work with them august 3rd or august 4th um so they'll come back and we'll start preseason and you know then season starts soon after that so we're hoping to have a great season now you you played a lot of high level soccer are you at all nervous about coaching soccer I am in certain areas. Um, it's definitely different than being the player. Um, but I have Coach Mo, and I'm working with our assistant coach, JP, and they've taught me so much already. So I think when it comes season, you know, I'll be ready for anything. All right, real quick. Uh, people want to donate to the Soccer United Against Hunger. They can do what, Carly Mullen? They can donate to a local food bank they can go online to soccerunitedagainsthunger.com and there's two ways to do that online Uh, we ask that if you do donate on the behalf of southern miss soccer please email me at carly.malden at usm.edu all right carly we always like having you on the show you're a good sport and uh we we appreciate you very much here (laughs) thank y'all for having me all right carly malden everybody assistant soccer coach at southern mississippi when we come back, what is Conference USA going to do? What can they do? What can't they do regarding the upcoming football season? We're going straight to the source. Russ Anderson is the associate commissioner in charge of football and baseball for CUSA. He's up next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Our thanks to Carly Malden, uh, the new soccer coach at Southern Miss, for joining us in the opening segment of the show. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Hardy Street is the location. If you want to do some in-house shopping, uh, they're back open. You can do that again now. If you prefer to stay online, just go to campusbookmark.net, pick out your apparel, accessories, whatever it is you choose with that great Southern Miss logo, and they will ship it right to your front door. Russ Anderson is the Associate uh, Commissioner of Conference USA, no stranger to our program. Russ has been a friend of the Eagle Hour since we first got it started. And, Russ, we uh, we appreciate you coming back on again today, my friend. No, no problem. Always glad to be with you guys. All right, Russ. We're, we all live in this huge, massive bubble of uncertainty. And uh, Conference USA is no different. Uh, we've been discussing this I off and on now, I guess, for a couple of months on this show what different conferences, what ideas they're throwing around, what thought processes might be uh, running through different uh, parts of the country. As far as CUSA is concerned, Russ, what what can you tell our listeners as, as to what the thinking is about football as we speak today on June 15th? Well, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I can tell you that for the last three months, we've had a ton of conversations, uh, you know, about this subject and, and, you know, it, it's difficult because things change, you know, it seems like every few days with the, with the virus as a whole across the nation. And, you know, one of the challenges, too, that we have is with the widespread footprint that uh, our league has, some states are in better shape than others. Um, you know, we have, um, I think it's four schools, uh, four or five right now, that, um, you know, have returned their students to campus. Um, so they're, you know, for the process of, you know, beginning some workouts and that. And so, you know, we're kind of, we're going along with the hope that uh, we stay on this timeline and, and we get football practices started in late July and move toward uh, hopefully having the season kick off as scheduled. Russ, will there be a uniform policy for how to monitor this disease or is that going to be left up to the schools individually in regard to how they're going to test kids, how they're going to separate kids, that sort of thing? It really does need to be left up uh, to the schools individually in each campus and the, you know, whatever rules that the, that school may put in place. So we are going to provide some uh, best practices, I guess you would call them as a whole, um, for the conference to follow. But ultimately, you know, how everything is done is really uh, reliant on the actual uh, campus itself. And what would you say is the biggest overall concern at this point from the perspective of the conference office um well there's a there's several <laughs> you <laughs> know a lot huh <laughs> there's a lot i mean obviously you know we want our student athletes to you know be able to uh, get back and, and and have the kind of great competition that sports provides but we need to make sure that that's being done in a safe environment and that's um certainly a little uh, harder than it used to be uh given this virus um, so, you know, we're just, we're really hopeful that we can do that. Um, I think, you know, you know that along the way there's potential that, you know, more cases will pop up in that. And so, you know, how you have to just kind of determine how you deal with that. Um, and then, you know, there's other issues, you know, such as what do our stadiums look like, um, you know, for these games as well. You know, uh, it's a real, very real possibility we play games without fans there or, reduced number of fans possibly you know i don't i don't know how realistic it is to expect that 
opening week, the stadium doors will be open to all fans that want to come out. Um, I'm not sure that's realistic maybe in any sport in the country right now. Interesting. Luke? Rushy, I was going to go down that that uh, question with you. We talked to Jeremy McLean a couple weeks ago, and you know he said worst case scenario would be the last uh, option, uh, no fans in in the stands. Is that going to be like what you just said? It's going to be a conference decision, or it's they're going you're going to let the individual member institutions choose whether or not to have fans in the stands and how many? It's same thing. I think that goes back to the individual institution because. There are some states that are much better off, so it might be, it might be fine for. Uh, I mean, if not full, maybe it's fifty percent or something like that for one school, but maybe for another school in an area that still has a high number of cases, maybe they can't have uh, anyone in the stands. So I think that's another thing that could definitely be a variable. This is a hypothetical, but thankfully I don't think any any state of a member institution would come into this. But what would happen potentially, or has there been conversation, you know, if there's a second wave and like a state government shuts down, especially public universities, would Conference USA continue to play with the member institutions, or if one member is out, then you don't have any competition between the members? You know, that's something that's, that's being, um, you know, kind of discussed right now. I think that you know, the initial thought is if, you know, it's a very small number that we would probably continue on. That's not, you know, 100% now, but, you know, then the, I guess sure. it, it begs the question, at what point is it too many to continue on? And, you know, that's, that's like, the, you know, so much of this entire COVID-19 situation is it's never been dealt with before. So you, you just right. kind of make the best decisions by the, information that you have at hand at the time you need to make those decisions if that makes sense how how often are you guys meeting and discussing your your ideas and strategies russ um you know there's multiple times a week i would say now um and there's you know different groups when i say that it might be ad's are meeting there might be another group with athletic trainers that you know have zoom calls um you know the football coaches with our office so there's different groups that are meeting at different times. I would just say very regular communication is going on, though. You know, it seems to me, and we've had a discussion about this, outside of the, uh, of the concern of fans, who's going to be in the stands, is the band coming, can the cheerleaders come, all those sorts of things. From the perspective of the coaches within the league, you know, coaches every year have to go into seasons worried about injuries and how that's going to affect their team. But I see so many scenarios, Russ, that uh, – that make things just almost impossible to predict. You know, say your offensive center tests positive for COVID-19. Well, whoever he roommates with, they're both under quarantine. And if he's been practicing, you know, in a group with the offensive line, is now the entire offensive line under quarantine. Your thoughts about that? Or the quarterback who's touching him on every snap. Right, right, right. It's, it's it gets scary to think of uh, really some of the some of the possibilities with that, and you know, um, I don't know. It's I, you know, if we are assuming that we do play football this year, it's going to be like no other season we've seen for for these reasons, for the reasons of we didn't, you know, most schools didn't get a spring practice, and so unions, you, you know, you're 
You haven't seen your players in months. Who knows how good of condition some of them are in, which is obviously why a lot of schools are wanting to get them back on the campus now, that and to get tested in case there is any issues. They can, uh, you know, quarantine here and be, and be back to healthy, you know, before camp starts. So there's just so many different things that, that we've never dealt with. And, um, you know, unfortunately, no one's talking about actual football. Um, but, you know, how is some of that going to be affected, too, when you haven't had the maybe the time that you normally would have around your teammates and, mm-hmm. and that? Well, there's just so many different uh, variables that are going into this season. Well, and then a school like like Southern Miss, there are obviously, I'm sure, a lot of other schools in the same boat. A new coordinator <laughs> hadn't had a chance to really do anything, uh, you know, with his offensive team. Uh, it, you know, it, it, in your career, have you ever seen anything even remotely close to this? No, I have. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm at 25 years in this business, and I can't think of anything close to it because you know even when we had 9-11 we didn't play that next week but you know maybe after a couple of days of mourning and that schools could be back practicing with each other and mm-hmm. and that and so we the, the time off wasn't uh, anywhere near as long back then uh, and then we really i don't i can't think of any other time where where you know schools have, or teams have had to shut down like this uh, and then there's the then there's the contractual deals, the TV deal as an example. If you're unable to play, there's a whole other dilemma, correct? There's the TV deal. There's um, you know the really uh, largest thing financially is you know the money from uh, the college football playoff, and that's why there's a uh, in the, you know a big urgency to make sure that we can get football season um, played. You know, I'm sure that you've heard there has been some discussion that we you know if we have to push. We get playing some of the season, and then we have to stop. That we would push it back and finish it off, maybe the non-traditional part of the season, um, because the, the you know we lost a, everyone lost a lot of revenue this past year without the NCAA basketball tournament uh, being played. But the money that comes from the college football playoff is even larger. Right. Can you hang on, Russ? I wanted to uh, hold you through the break if you've got just a few minutes and uh, talk to you just a minute about the baseball tournament. Is that good? Sure. All right. We've got Russ Anderson with us today on the Eagle Hour, Associate Commissioner of Conference USA for football and baseball. When you get the when you get the guys at the top of the at the top of the line uh, on the phone, you want to ask them just as many questions as you can. So we're going to switch gears and uh, talk to Russ about the Conference USA baseball tournament future when the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back. Third segment of the show sponsored by our good buddies at a 4th Street Bar and Grill. Such a great place to have lunch. Monday through Friday, new meal, different meal every day, $8.95. That includes your drink. Great memorabilia all through the building. Great sandwiches and other food that you can enjoy as well at lunch or in the evenings. It's just a wonderful place to go 
and we're so glad they're back open. Fourth Street Bar and Grill. Also, also want to remind you about these two awesome new facilities here in Hattiesburg, DBAT and D1 Training. Uh, they're located on Hardy Street in the old Gettys Pizza Building. Uh, D1 providing uh, expert athletic training for every sport and every age group. DBAT providing baseball and softball training with uh, cages and mounds and experts to uh, help your children uh, develop and be the best that they can be. So uh, if you're in the market for that or your children are, uh, don't forget them. DBAT and D1 on Hardy Street here in Hattiesburg. Russ Anderson is the Associate Commissioner of Conference USA. We're very glad to have him uh, back on the Eagle Hour as uh, no stranger uh, to the show. All right, Russ, uh, just a few weeks ago, we get the news that uh, the baseball tournament that's had such a wonderful run, we think, down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast is uh, now being moved. Louisiana Tech next year, Southern Miss the year after, uh, and the year after that, I think, at Rice University. Uh, we had heard that the that part of the reason uh, that the league made the move was there were just some scheduling difficulties uh, with the uh, with the Shuckers organization, and and you've indicated to us that's been the case with some other conferences as too. Can you uh, let our listeners know what you're talking about? Yeah, that definitely was the case. Like we knew that we could not have our tournament there in, in 2021. Uh, that the uh, Southern League uh, would was already going to schedule the Shuckers at home during that week. You know, we need six days uh, where we have that building to ourselves. Uh, Tuesday through Sunday, and so we knew that wasn't possible for 2021. And then that that's something that happened in, in other places. The ACC had to move their tournament out of Durham, North Carolina, because the International League did the same thing, scheduling the Durham Bulls at home when the ACC tournament would have been there. So it's unfortunate that that's happened uh, because I think they're, you know, we certainly enjoyed our time in Biloxi, enjoyed the great support that we got from that city. Um, but certainly we knew we were going to have to leave uh, for 2021. And then I think, you know, some things changed a little bit, too, with the with the COVID situation. And uh, our athletic directors decided that uh, they wanted – it was probably best to bring their our championship back onto some of our campuses over the next three years. All right, so I'm going to let you put this rumor to rest. We had heard another rumor was that coaches around the league were unhappy – uh, with what they perceived as a home field advantage for the Golden Eagles there, but you say that is not the case. I think our, our coaches really enjoyed Biloxi. They loved the ballpark. They they loved the support that the tournament had, had gotten there. They, they liked Biloxi and the whole setup there with everything kind of being closed uh, downtown along with a, a good geographic location for most of our schools to get to um, pretty easily. So, uh, no, I don't. I really don't think that was the case. Uh, we'll look back on it, and this will be the last question about the tournament, but look back on it, Russ. Overall, uh, we were down there every year with you guys uh, that it was there. From from our perspective, it always seemed to be a real big success. Uh, how does the league look back on its experience uh, in Mississippi with the baseball tournament? I think we look at it as a success, too. We had uh, you know, we had really great crowds there. I mean, obviously, the fact that Southern Miss was really good all three years helped that help that out a lot. Um, but, you know, we, we thought it was a great facility and we had great crowds and that's, you know, uh, you can, that's more, all you can ask for, you know, one year we had bad weather that happened, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the two years we didn't and things went really smoothly those years. So from a financial standpoint, it was successful for conference USA. Yes. Yeah, I would say, well, yes, it was. 
Good. All right, Luke, uh, you got him just a few more minutes. Russ, uh, one thing that we've been talking about and our listeners have really been anxious to hear about, I know as a former player, um, guys always want to know when they're going to show up, what their summer's going to look like. Southern Miss, uh, about 50%, 60% of their, their team's back for voluntary workouts. Any idea when the NCAA uh, is going to line out a, a protocol or a schedule so that we'll know how long preseason camp's going to be? Yeah, that's coming soon. That's been something that's been talked about a lot over the last several weeks, and uh, the NCAA Football Oversight Committee has a meeting later this week, and we, we expect that, that uh, coming out of that meeting is when we'll have the timetable uh, of what teams are going to have. And, you know, I know what's, what's popular is, you know, they want to get as much time as possible that, um, with their teams in probably a six-week model leading up to whenever a team has a season opener is, is probably the way it's going, but we're you know, we'll find out for sure uh, once that meeting takes place later this week. Good luck for uh, the coaches and everybody. If it's six weeks, man, as a former player, they got to make that really exciting. <laughs> we got tired of hitting each other after three and a half, four weeks. But, but Russ, when when that comes out, will that be that's the protocol that every conference will follow, or will conferences have a little flexibility within that? No, I think that's going to be something that comes out uniform, so that you know you don't have one league that gets longer time than another. Is that'll be you know kind of a blanket thing for for all conferences and all schools. Okay, Russell, when you get all of this figured out and you're 100 percent certain as to how you're going to conduct things, will you call us and come back on the show? Yeah, don't expect that call real soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want you to know how much we appreciate your accessibility. You've always been uh, great about coming on the Eagle Hour and. Uh, we consider you to be a real friend of the program, and, and we thank you again for your time today. That's very kind of you. Always good to be on with, with you guys as well. All right. Russ Anderson, everybody, who That's is right. the Associate Commissioner of Conference USA. And, and, Luke, while you share a couple thoughts here, I'm going to see if I can't locate Mr. Sander real quickly. So, Russ telling us that uh, you can expect something from the NCAA at the end of this week, talking, uh, laying out when camp would start. And just as a former player, I'll just reiterate what I just said. Coaches had to get really, you know, you have to get, you have to incentivize players because sooner or later, man, I mean, usually the way it works, you work out all of June, you work out all of July, uh, you take about a week, uh, two weeks off, and you come back for camp. And at the end of, uh, you, you hit camp pretty hard two or three weeks, then classes start. If they move, if camp six weeks, now it will, I get it, it will help. Obviously, a team like Southern Miss, you get two more weeks, uh, maybe two and a half more weeks to learn a new offense uh, for uh, the defensive coordinator to bring in his stuff for Matt Kubik to lay out what he wants. Uh, I, th- I think I heard that we got Kelly now. Kelly, uh, Russ Anderson just told us the NCAA probably going to lay out what camp preseason camp football looks like at the end of this week. What can you do six weeks of preseason camp? That is a long time for student athletes, uh, number one, to uh, be practicing every single day without an opponent they're looking forward to. And just the restless nature of two-a-days, man, it gets old really quick. Your thoughts on the the possible six-week preseason camp? I think I think the the additional two weeks or two and a half weeks would just be for from a conditioning standpoint because a lot of these guys because the the campuses have been closed the weight rooms have been closed they haven't had an opportunity to stay in as good a shape as they could have otherwise so I think that was probably the intent of it is the first part 
to to limit the amount of contact and so on, and, and just really for guys to get more in shape. Um, everything, look, everybody has to accept the fact that everything going forward is going to be different uh, than we used to than than we used to to see it. I mean, the high schools are talking now about uh, you know potentially different high school athletic associations are now talking about, including Mississippi, are talking talking about flipping the seasons, moving baseball to the fall in the coming months, and moving no. football to spring because baseball has fewer people on the roster, all right? So it's, it's easier to social distance with a smaller roster. Uh, they play outdoors, as does football. But in baseball, there's no tackling each other. There's no, you know, spit. There's much sweat, you know, that kind of – it's just not the nature of that game. Whereas if nothing else, it buys these high school organizations six more months to try to figure out how to, how to do it better, how to, how to do football you know, better as far as the, the virus is concerned, a, a potential vaccine that might emerge. Um, so, there, so there's legitimate talk that, that for this coming academic year that the sports would be flipped, that baseball wow. would be played in the fall, football in the spring. Wow. How crazy is that? Well, and again, you know, it, 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 for nothing else, everybody acknowledges how important football is, particularly at the high school level, when it raises the money to financially float the entire athletic boat. So rather than not have any football, which remember, I have always kind of said I didn't, and, it, and this, isn't, this isn't a given, but I just don't think we're going to have high school football this fall. But that doesn't mean that we couldn't have football in the spring. Uh, and from a number standpoint, managing roster size, as we said, baseball has fewer players. Basketball has even less. All right, so, so managing this virus with athletics is going to take a little thinking outside the box. And i got to tell you guys, I kind of like that idea. I mean, if it's going to happen, you've got to do the best with what you have. Right, and and it was the baseball season that was cut short at the beginning of this virus. It would only make sense that baseball will pick back up. Right, all right. We're going to continue our conversation with Kelly. COVID nineteen has raised its ugly head here in Mississippi at one of the Division One universities. We'll tell you about that and uh, and rehash a conversation that Kelly and I had Saturday morning. There's lots to talk about this week. We'll continue that when we come back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Thanks for joining us on the first day of the work week. Eagle Hour with Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. The fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or also online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Com. A couple news and notes. Uh, women's tennis lands a Conference USA all freshman. Sarah Medic from Austria was 7-1 and one in singles uh, before COVID-19 shut down the tennis season early. She is the first Golden Eagle to earn all freshman honors uh, since Conference USA has been 
collecting that team. So Sarah Medic, all conference, all freshmen. Congratulations to her, guys. Uh, it's it's June, and and uh, you know we're still wondering uh, whether or not what football is going to look like. Athlon Sports naming their 2020 preseason all conference USA team. Golden Eagles have two members on the first team offense: Arvin Fletcher, a offensive lineman, and then Jalen Adams, wide receiver, on the first team. Tim Jones, wide receiver, uh, Jacquez Turner, D lineman, and Kyle Hemby, defensive back on the second team. Andrew Stein, the place kicker, Rakeem Booth, linebacker and defensive back, Rashawn Mitchell, third team defense, Jack Abraham, uh, on the fourth team. So, uh, not too early to be naming all conference USA preseason teams and a bunch of Golden Eagles on it. Now, Luke, that tennis player, Sarah, where was she from? Austria. So is that, that's between Meridian and Sugarlack. Yeah, to the east on Meridian, Highway okay. 12, yes. Yeah, yeah just to yeah. the east of Sugarlack, I think, up there. Right, right, right. Uh, I think you ran in a marathon I thought, I thought up there last gonna, year. I thought you were going to pull um, a, a Dumb and Dumber there and, and go with an Australian accent. No, no. <laughs> oh, no, no. no. Austria. the country of Austria, right? Correct. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the country of Austria. Well, you guys, you're talking about the future of college football, and, of course, things the, the news – Mr. Gloom and Doom, uh, four football players at Mississippi State have tested positive for the coronavirus, seven at the University of Houston, which prompted the University of Houston president to pull the plug on football for now. He said he wants no workouts, nothing, just football right now is on the back burner at the University of Houston. So because of of this this coronavirus now with seven seven players on the Houston team mm. testing positive. So they're thinking that because seven guys on the team tested positive, now you're going to have to quarantine the entire team for about 14 days to see who else might turn positive. And, and if that if that is the case, then Houston is way behind, you know, getting ready for the football season this fall. Where does that put them with the other teams in their conference? Um, so, and like I said, four at Mississippi State. So that's something, you know, they're going to have to contend with. And we also talked on Friday uh, about the new rules in college baseball where going forward for the next couple of years because of COVID, that Division One schools can have pretty much limitless rosters and they can waive the 25% uh, minimum scholarship to players, which we thought would prompt uh, Division One players to start transferring to junior college. And, and that is exactly what happened. Our own Hunter LeBlanc from Southern Miss announced on his social media post Saturday that he was transferring to Jones, Jones College in Ellisville, part of the MACJC, the toughest league in America. And LeBlanc was a guy that, that started some for Southern Miss. Yeah, he was on the so, field some. No question. Yeah, with, yeah but college, you, know, you, you saw uh, Reed Trimble. He was a true freshman. He played a lot. And even earlier in the season, uh, Hunter struggled to get some at-bats. And you know, when you got a true freshman that comes in and he started and uh, stays starting, uh, that's just way it way it is. But I'll tell you what, it's a great program. Chris Kirkland and, and Hunter LeBlanc will go somewhere after he plays at Jones College. For well, sure. no question. There's a lot of connection there, too, between Southern Miss and Jones. Am I correct, Luke, in baseball? And so uh, it's not yeah. surprising to see him work stuff out between them. But, but had that rule not changed, you know, it's, it's certainly reasonable to argue that, that LeBlanc would not have transferred. Right, you know, and I and I think that, uh, and I think we're reading between the lines here a little bit, but but I think that um, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more Division One guys because you're you're draft eligible immediately in junior college, which is what a lot of guys want to do. Courses move to the next level, 
and you got to be on the field, you know, to be seen. I mean, very few guys get recruited if they're not playing. <laughs> I can't think of one. Um, so, at any rate, but yeah, back to the COVID thing, you guys. I, you know, with Houston now saying they're not even they're not moving forward at all because of it. So I just it's it's just a real quandary with a capital Q. Uh, don't you? And then if you look at the news today, for example, about COVID nineteen nationally. Kelly Sander, 30 seconds left. I grow more pessimistic by the week that we're going to see football as we know it. As we know it is the key phrase, Bob. You know, right. like I said, in, in high school, I, I think they're going to move it to the spring. Yeah. Again, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it'll be baseball, football rather than the other I way around. I really hope you're wrong. Like, I can't even tell you how much I really hope you're wrong. That would right. be so awkward going on a, on a nice March – afternoon to a football stadium rather than a baseball diamond and be going to a baseball diamond in the blazing fires of late august please no no i hear you luke but again we're not living in normal times either we are not we are not and we'll continue to discuss these weird times tomorrow at one o'clock have kelly more involved in the show tomorrow uh had a lot Ask uh, Russ Anderson this afternoon, and we do appreciate him coming on. Also, want to thank Hattiesburg Toyota for sponsoring the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour. Great place to buy a car, great service after the sale, and great inventory as well. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, everybody. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.